inspiration, dedication, leaders of a new generation, teamwork, make the dream work, building God's kingdom, know that she works, legacy, it's her destiny, she's on a mission to change the course of history, have you seen her, you should queen her, listen when the queen speaks on your speakers. Hey, I'm Elle Clark, the host of the Queen Speaks podcast. If you'd like to advertise with us or be a guest on our show, email us at hello at IamQueenMagazine.com. Welcome back to the Queen Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Elle Clark, and today I'm with Janice McCullough. Listen, Janice is a legend all by herself, and she is the daughter of the legendary Bernie Mac. Oh my goodness, Janice, it is a pleasure to be in your company. How are you doing this evening? I am very well, thank you. Amazing. Now, Janice, tell me something. You know what? Tell me something people would be surprised to know about you. At least tell me three things people would be surprised to know about you. Three things people would be surprised to know about me. Um, One, I'm an introvert. That seems to really shock people because people think, like, they say I have this, like, larger-than-life personality, which I keep trying to explain to people that's not what introversion is about. But, yeah, one, I'm an introvert. (laughs) Uh, two, I'm like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a major weeper. I cry at the drop of a hat. It doesn't take much. I cry if I'm happy. I cry if I'm sad. I cry if I'm mad. Like, I, I'm just a crybaby. Um, and three, uh, I also, I'm nowhere near as confident as people seem to think that I am. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Those are some things um, to know about you because you you come across very confident and very assured of who you are and so that's that's really amazing to know so Janice tell me a little bit about you tell me about what's going on with you and what projects you're working on right now um, well you know as everybody knows I'm Bernie Mac's daughter but um I have I was born and raised in Chicago uh, went to school in Morgan Park, uh, graduated, went to Xavier University of uh, Louisiana, where I got my bachelor's in psychology and my master's in mental health counseling. But um, I've always wanted to help people. So getting my bachelor's in psychology and my master's in mental health counseling made perfect sense. But there was something about it that didn't fit because I knew I didn't want to go directly into that the field of it. Okay. Um, and so in 2004, when my dad uh, needed an assistant, he asked me to start working for him. So I did it because really my biggest passion was writing. I always loved to write and that's the thing that I've always wanted to do. And um, at the time that my dad asked me to be his assistant, I just found out I was pregnant. And so I uh, was trying to, you know, juggle marriage. Uh-huh. Mother, new motherhood, all that. And then in 2008, unfortunately, my dad passed away. And I always tell people, it's. I feel like I got, it was a rebirth. It was a reset on my life because my dad's death 
catapulted me into another uh, phase of life. Um, Jane Fonda, I like the way she describes it. You're, like your life is in three acts. First act is one to 30. The second act is 30 to 60. So 30, my second act has really been about my rebirth and trying to navigate. So 30, my dad died, I divorced. My daughter was not yet two and I was trying to get adjusted to life without my dad, without being married, without all the major players that had been there before 30. So I'm 43 now and I like to say, I feel like I'm like at, in, in my young 20s, like, like I'm in the adolescence now of my second. So now that's all I'm doing and I'm actually writing. I'm writing a book now and just raising my daughter. Congratulations on the book. I know that's going to do amazing. I can't wait to see exactly what it's about. But it's interesting you talk about your second act and you said during your second act you had to deal with the loss of your father and the divorce. And being a mental health major, how were you able to, you know, utilize what you've learned plus the life experiences to get through that um, part of your life? So I will say it is, I remember um, in my uh, first year in grad school, one of my professors told uh, our class, I think it was um, our group psychology class, group counseling class. She said, uh, if you go into practice, it is imperative that you have your own therapist that you go to and now I understand why she said it because it's one thing to have all the tools to know how to objectively help another person it's a completely different thing when it comes to your own life and so when my dad passed away it was difficult for me because he was the first person in my life the mate the biggest major player I've ever lost in my life um my great-grandparents passed away, but I was so young. And I remember being sad, but I was like seven and eight when they passed away. And then my dad's best friend was murdered when I was nine, but again, I was young. So I, you know, it's, kids are much more resilient than we adults are. So being 30 and dealing with all of those losses, I really didn't, I wasn't prepared and I really didn't know how to navigate it. However, I had enough, I had the wherewithal to know I'm not managing this well on myself, with, by myself, so I need to go somewhere. I need help. And so I started going to counseling, um, like nine months after my dad passed away. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Listen to me. Number one, your father, listen, he's a big hero in my house because my husband absolutely loves him. Now, I love him too, but I think that my husband loves him on another level. Listen to me, baby girl, every time that show come on, and my daughters absolutely love, love, love him. So can tell us some of your most fondest memories of your father. Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, honestly, I, I will say this. It, it was a pleasure to be able to have a front row seat to watch my dad uh, just work to make his dream come true because as long as far back as I can remember he would always tell me you know don't one day your daddy's gonna be rich and famous you just watch and so I remember being like seven and eight years old watching him and a lot of the local Chicago comedians in the living room try to come up with a, a comic union for the nightclubs to ensure that all the comics got equal pay 
I remember watching him study, you know, uh, like some of the greats, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Jackie Gleason, Moms Maybe I remember him writing, I remember finding, you know, he'd have napkins and notebook paper of jokes and everything all over the place. So to watch him make go from where we were, which we didn't have a lot when I was growing up, to becoming this like household name in like the second, like in just what seemed like a blink of an eye was amazing. But more than that, I appreciate that I, I feel like I got a front row seat to watching my dad become a man. My parents got married when they were 19 years old. Um, and then like three weeks later, my dad turned 20. And then four months later, I was born. So I always say my parents and I grew up together and to watch my dad go from what I think he always had an image, a vision in his head of the type of man and father that he wanted to be. But you know, when you're 19 and 20, you don't really know, you haven't lived enough to know how to execute that. So to see him go from that in his early 20s to who he became by the time he died, those are, that just, I'm so proud of him because he became a wonderful man. And I just, that's the thing that I, I love and I take so much pride in. Amazing. And I can see that you're bursting with pride um, all over the screen. And that's so amazing <laughs> about your dad. You can hear the love. You can hear the pride that is in your voice. And it should be. And you should be very proud of him because, well, we know Bernie Mac, the actor. But you know him in a more personal way. You know him as the father. You know him, you know, during times when he didn't feel funny or when he didn't feel like, you know, going on when things may have been rough. But tell us a little bit about Bernie Mac, the father. I know oh. that, you said that he started off, so you kind of grew up with your family. You kind of grew up with your parents. So, um, like, tell us about him in stages. In stages. Okay, so when my parents first got married, um, they were doing, you know, relatively well. It was 1977. He had some of the insurance money from my maternal grandmother's death because she passed away when he was 16. And he had a job at General Motors. So for two 20-year-olds, they were doing pretty okay. So when I was born, like I remember up until like six, he was like the fun guy. He was the life of the party. I think we lived in a one bedroom apartment, but the, it was always packed with all of his friends. There was always parties and stuff at our house. He was the fun guy. He used to coach basketball, uh, some of the kids at a local youth center. So I used to go with him. Like I wanted to be everywhere he was because he was just so full of life and so fun. And then when I was five, that's when he was laid off from General Motors. And that's when a lot of our financial troubles began. And I can see it now because I'm older, but at the time, at five, I didn't know what it was or what happened. But I think he kind of went into a bit of a, a, a depression, maybe not a full grade depression, but I think there was some, some there because now he has no money. Um, he, you know, really, he only graduated from high school. He didn't go to college. So, and a, a lot of his friends at the time, had gone to college, so I think he was measuring himself against them. And my mom became the breadwinner, and that he's a very prideful man. So there was a lot of anger, and I, I could feel it, and sometimes he would direct it at me, and I didn't know why. So I 
then became that's when I became afraid of him. He became this like foreboding. It was like, oh my gosh, this big black man, he's always mad. Like me, and he, it wasn't so much that he was always mad. It was just you never knew what was going to be the thing that would, you know, set him off. And I think I think he noticed it, and I think he wanted to do better. Because I always tell people he he couldn't seem to make up his mind like how to execute it. You could tell he wanted to be a different type of dad than what he'd seen. And so he would have times where like, if he was angry, he'd want to talk to me, but I don't think he had the tools to really execute his vision. So he would just resort to what he knew. And so then he, it would be the hollering and now I'm, I'm about to whoop your tail. And it'd be for the most mundane minor things that it's like, but why am I in trouble? I, I, I wouldn't understand and trying to talk to him didn't work because by that point, I think he was too angry because he didn't have the words or the tools to express himself. So from, I'd say from six to about 16, I was terrified of him. Just, I was like, I, I don't know. I just wanted to make him happy all the time. And I always felt like I was failing at that. Like, cause again, I, like I said, you just never knew what was gonna be the thing. We could be happy this minute. And then the next thing I know, it, something was wrong. And I didn't know then that's cause he would get a bill that was overdue or there was something between him and my mom that made him mad. You know, I, I didn't know that as a kid, you don't know that. So 16 is when I started to get my voice a little bit. And 16 is when he started doing well financially. So I think for him, part of the problem with him is he had sacrificed so much time, you know, hustling to make his career happen. By the time he, it, he started to get some momentum and felt like he could breathe, I was 16. I wasn't a little girl anymore. And I think for him, it was like, wait a minute, you were just seven yesterday. Where did my little girl go? So that's when he became super controlling and we started butting heads more because now I'm not a, I'm not so little anymore you know I I'm trying to express my autonomy so we would we would butt heads <laughs> from 16 till about 24 and then I think when I turned 24 and, and that's when I got married I think that's when he realized whoa like my daughter's like she's really grown now and it's time for me to let go and then once I had once I told him I was pregnant with my daughter that was a different journey and him becoming a grandfather was a completely different thing because now he really got to soak up and enjoy it. So we, by the time he died, I'd say from like 26 to when I was 30, that's when we were becoming not just father and daughter, but friends. That's amazing. That's amazing. So how much does your daughter, does your daughter remember him? Does she, do you guys talk about him? Oh, we talk about him every day. Um, and I'm very intentional about that because like I said, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother died when my dad was 16. And no one really talked to me a lot about her. Um, outside of my dad and my uncle telling me how much I looked like her, no one ever actually told me about her. Um, I think for my dad, it was too painful for him to really talk about her. So. I didn't really, and, and to this day, I still don't really know a lot about her. And I didn't want that for my daughter. So we're very intentional. Um, 
when she was younger, she said she remembered him more, but now that she's older, she's 14 now. So she says she doesn't remember a whole lot, but we watch his TV show. She's at the point now where she can watch some of his movies. So we watch Mr. 3000, who, and other stuff. So I'm always showing her, you know, his movies. I'm always telling her different stories and things about him because I definitely want to keep that alive for her. That's really good. That's really good. Oh my goodness. It's so, it's like going down memory lane, but this is not my memory. This is yours. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is so nice to hear because honestly, we absolutely love your father from what, you know, from what he presented to us. We still watch the Bernie Mac show, my children's favorite TV show ever. And you know what I want to ask you? How close is he to his character? Very close. That is, I, I tell people, that is a watered down version of minus, like he couldn't curse the way he, he did in real life on the show. And the only difference, but, and that's why I say it's watered down. Uh, and I told Camille this, Camille who played uh, Vanessa on the show, I told her, said there were times, because he, he acted so much like himself. There were times that I forget I was watching a TV show Wow. And she would say or do something, and I would get scared, like, oh, Vanessa's about, oh my God, Vanessa's about to <laughs> <laughs> I would forget. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, Denise. You know, we thank God for you, and thank God that you are keeping your father's memory alive. Um, yeah. that continue to talk about him and you show us a side that we did not know which we so appreciate um you know sometimes it's after that that we get to hear more or learn more about an individual but one thing that's for sure their story and the legacy that is left behind will last forever even after we are gone it will still be there absolutely absolutely and you that is my main reason for sharing so much about who he was and my memories of him because I that is my my belief that is the thing that keeps us alive like you say even after I'm gone I want to pass that down to Jasmine so that she can pass that down to her children and they can pass that down and everything that he he lived and worked for it wasn't in vain and as long like I tell people all the time when they tell me that they watch his show I'm like good because that's the thing that's why he did it that's the thing that keeps him alive so amazing Janice thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today I pray God to purchase blessings over everything that you're doing over your children over your daughter and we can't wait to see the book we can't wait to read the book so keep us updated on when it's going to be released so that we can support Absolutely. Absolutely. Bye, Queen. Oh, bye. Thank you.